In today's show, Allison and I review a new show, Generation Porn. Welcome to the Love and Sex Podcast. We're your hosts, Allison and Jeff Scott. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, Coast to Coast, and around the world as we talk about sex and relationships. No topic is out of bounds, and along the way, we're going to share our own experiences, failures, and successes to help you live your best life. You're listening to the Love and Sex Podcast. Welcome in. You're with Allison and Jeff. Allison, welcome to you as well. Thanks, Jeff. Welcome, everyone. So welcome to today's show. Before we get started, don't forget, if you are under the age of 18, please leave. Do not listen. This show contains explicitly sexual material. Head down to the show notes if you are over the age of 18, where you can join the Love and Sex Facebook group, and head over to Pink Cherry, where you can go pick up some sex toys to have some fun in the bedroom, explore sexually, bring your partner to new heights, make them orgasm like they've never orgasmed <laughs> before. Interesting show that Allison and I watched this weekend. We finished Ted Lasso, right? Ah, uh, Allison's a I'm little sad. disappointed. I keep, um, I've kind of had probably more exposure to different, I don't know, series, if you will, on yeah. like Netflix and, you know, Amazon Prime and all those fun things. And so I've been like sharing these with Allison over, I don't know, what, past nine months or so? Yep, a year? Yep. Yeah. And um, so we've watched like Wentworth on Netflix and Orange is the New Black. And I know a lot of these are older shows. The but Sopranos, Allison, all, the whole yeah, Sopranos yeah, even series. The Sopranos. Yep. Allison had never seen The Sopranos. I'm like, are you kidding me? We have to watch that. So um, I think every show, though, that I've introduced you to, you've gotten hooked. I have gotten hooked. And I was really not ready for Ted Lasso to be over. That was sad. And you seemed really hesitant to watch Ted Lasso to me. Like you, you were kind of like. Oh, it's about soccer. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just you have a couple of favorite actors and I just feel like their characters are so similar. And I don't know. It's they're not it's not that I don't like it, but I just didn't think I'd want to watch a whole series with Jason Sudeikis. I just wasn't like. And then when I saw the first one, it was about soccer. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Seems kind of cheesy, but it was awesome. I absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah. You can't help but fall in love with his character. Yeah. I think I say it's his best acting of that I've seen of him do. And of course I love him in the movie hall pass, um, which we were kind of watching the other night. And I love that part where he's talking about the woman's vagina. Being, oh my gosh. Being a humidor. My vagina never goes over 71 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> that scene is hysterical when they don't know that they're on camera. But anyway. Yeah. So we, we, digress. we digress as usual. But anyway, so we finished Ted Lasso and we were just kind of looking for something new to watch because some of our favorite shows are coming out at the end of this month or September. And so we're like, what are we going to watch? And so we went to uh, HBO Max, which is just now called Max. And we found a show called Generation Porn. And this is just a three series show, but we just finished watching it and we thought we might talk about it. Yeah, and it's funny because I was interested. We had talked recently about watching other shows that had um, topics related to sex workers. Yeah. And um, there's not a lot out there, right? There's not a lot that I find would find interesting just to learn a little bit more about their world. So meaning people who are paid for sex or porn, people that work in the porn industry. So it was fun that you found this 
show. It's very interesting to learn more about the porn industry. Extremely, extremely um, interesting. And if you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. Again, it's a, it's a real short series, three shows, and I believe they're just an hour long. It felt a little bit longer than that in yeah, a couple I, of the episodes, but it's roughly three hours yeah. worth of your time to to watch this out. But basically what it's really talking about was how rapidly the porn industry is growing um, and how much porn is on the internet and how it's accessible to especially young kids. Yep. Right. And we're talking kids. Um, I mean, they were focusing on 18 to, you know, like 21, 22, like there was a lot of kids in that age, but then there's also statistics, statistically speaking, it's tough to know how many kids are under 18, but they know that there's a real problem with kids under 18 watching the porn. Yeah. Um, and in the first couple of shows, they were um, kind kind of focused on two young girls who one was 19, one is 21. And they are, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but it was just kind of focused on them. Um, and they are new to the porn industry. Yep. And it was talking to them about their perspective. And it's really interesting because they both admitted that they got into um, porn and sex at young ages, like started watching, I think the one who's 21 started watching porn around 12. Yeah. And the other one who's 19 said she started watching around 15 or lost her virginity around 15. Yeah. Um, but there's a real big debate, right, on the show as to porn being this evil monster that is basically teaching our kids and teaching young people who are not sexually mature what sex looks like. And Allison and I were pausing the video and having these discussions as we were watching it. And I think in many regards, we shared some similar thoughts. And then I think in others, I think we were kind of not so much uh, agreeing on certain things, but uh, of course that's okay. Right. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but there was one lady um, in particular towards the end of the show, who's really against porn because she doesn't feel that society is um, doing a great job of, of educating our children, right. right? Which we had both agreed upon. So let's rewind for one second and talk a little bit about what we have shared before, and it's just the accessibility of porn. So that was a part of the show, was how accessible it is and really how much money people that are producing porn and have some of these porn sites, the number of clicks they're getting every day, the number of subscribers that they have, et cetera, the massive amount of money that is made in that field is mind-boggling. I mean, absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. Um, but we've said so many times before, and we've done a couple of shows that have involved conversations with porn about how accessible it is now, how bef in when we were younger, because we're not super young anymore, um, porn was on VHS tapes. You had to get them from the video store. It was a little secret room in the back. They put it in a brown bag. You were like video shamed when you walked out because everyone else had the clear plastic bag, the white plastic bag, you had a brown bag, right? So it was very obvious what was happening there. And they actually, even in this show, went back to speak about the all the different generations of porn and how prior to VHS, which was our first experiences in, in the 70s and 80s, prior to that was you had to go to a movie theater to watch it. Yeah, can you imagine that, right? Like, and I think that was big, right, in New York City. Yeah, yeah. It I was mean, before it got only... really before New York City got cleaned up. There was a shitload of porn theaters, and I would think it'd be primarily in the cities, and maybe one or two like in other like 
rural towns. Yeah. We had one here in our hometown. I didn't think we did. Yeah. Okay. It used to be out, um, like going just a little bit north of where we live. Oh, okay. um, There used to be a porn theater. Okay. So I wasn't aware of that because I was thinking maybe they didn't even have it here. But anyway, so that was kind of a, a, a piece of the program was talking a little bit about the industry. We've shared before also how it is for for younger uh, the younger generation that does that has not had a lot of sex education either from their parents or at school or whatever um, or even if they have these kids are getting online at such a young age their parents may not have had the conversation with them yet because they're like eleven right so they said eleven and twelve year olds are accessing porn. Right. And that's, that's a real, that's scary, right? It's scary because I mean, come on, that's, that's, you're just, you're not even close to having any kind of maturity level to understand and grasp and deal with that stuff. Yeah. And, um, because there's so many different genres of porn now, which I'm sure there always were, but it's become more prevalent though. I definitely think yeah. that genres now are a much bigger thing than they used to be. And there's a lot more, um, because of the way that sex has been accepted more, different styles of sex we both believe are is more acceptable now in society than it was in the past. Absolutely. These different uh, variations of porn are out there that include, we'll say BDSM or swinging, you know, uh, threesomes, foursomes, orgies, anal sex, um, kind of not your traditional sex, right? Back in the day, I, you know, only ever really saw one porn <laughs> When we were younger, I was telling you a little bit about it earlier by accident. I wasn't invited, but I walked in Um, and it was very, very cheesy, right? The cheesy music. And it was like, uh, uh, uh. it was like one woman, one guy, right? There might've been another couple there, but there's no like swapping around. Like it was very basic. And now the porn has obviously expanded quite a bit. Um, And I think for the, the folks that were like, against the porn industry or think that the porn industry is not doing right by our kids these days um, are really thinking that some of that more hardcore they're calling it or uh, different variations of sex are teaching kids the wrong things about sex because the kids are not learning sex where they should be learning about it. They're learning about it from porn. Right. And that's kind of like how I felt um, during the show was that there was a woman who did a Ted talk. This is featured in the last episode and she was, going on about that. And I think after listening a little bit more to her and understanding her position a little better, it wasn't so much, I think that she's against porn, but she's against the fact of that porn is basically teaching our kids the, how sex works. Right. I mean, that's, that's their, their context, their basis for sexual relationships. And this got me really going because I kind of feel like, well, wait a minute, that's not porn's fault. Where are the fucking parents in all of this, right? Like, I feel like it's not porn that's really doing the wrong thing. Porn's just a business who's filming sex. And watching the show, you'll learn that it's not the porn companies making sex and directing our attention to certain types of porn. They are basing everything that they're delivering in porn based on what we, the people who are watching it, are requesting. Right. There are algorithms and things going on behind the scenes going, okay, you want to search for threesomes, gangbangs, girl on girl, whatever, right? BDSM. Okay, that's what you want to search for. That's what we're going to put out. And that's how it's working. So it's not the evil porn industry directing all this porn and brainwashing us. They're giving us what 
the masses are asking right, for. Right, what the consumers are asking for. Which is interesting. To an extent, though. So it's if you're searching for one particular kind of porn, then they're going to keep sending you that kind of porn, you know, based on their algorithms. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's they're creating more of that because that's what you want, Jeff. You know, it's no, but I'm saying that it's going if th- clearly people are searching gangbangs, threesomes. Right. People are, yes, people are. So that but, type of porn is going to be produced more consistently right. because that's what people want. But there may be someone young that goes online that is not searching for that per se, and that's coming up in their feed because that's a very highly searched subject, right? So that's coming up in their feed. And I think that's what this woman, the, we really were very off put by the woman in the beginning. But yeah, we she just seemed a little bitter. Oh my gosh, she seemed bitter and so anti-porn. But further on in the in the program, you really kind of understood her perspective a little bit more, which is basically what you were saying all along is parents, you need to teach your kids about sex. Society. Society. Like, cause this is there, this is, there's so much of this new virtual reality and um, additional porn and so much stuff is accessible online. And we're going to create a society of introverts that are at home, you know, having sex with themselves. Right. right. So. Cause, that, Cause that was one of the things in the, in the, um, in the series was this guy who was creating there. Well, they're not some guy who's creating it, but companies now are creating, you put on the virtual reality goggles but this guy was doing a little extra thing. He was selling like full body sex dolls, like the real dolls in conjunction with the goggles. So you have this VR goggle on, right? And you're watching this scenario, but yet, you know, you're fucking this doll yeah. in front of you. So it's kind of like his whole thing was not only are you seeing something, but you're feeling something. Yeah. Um, I think that actually, I think there's definitely a market for that. I can only imagine the price there's no tag. Doubt there's, there's a market for sex dolls and there's a market for VR. Yep. You put those two things together. There's a lot of lonely people out there yep. that are going to be ordering this shit. Yeah. And we've talked about that before. And there's rather than creeping around the internet, right. They're going to be doing this stuff in their, which in their maybe home. that's good. Yeah, right. Maybe that gets people to maybe get off the internet and maybe stop you know, creeping on younger kids. I don't know. I mean, who knows what kind of effect that will have, but maybe they stay an introvert and they stay within their own world and don't bother anyone else out in the real world because they're lonely and creepy and looking for sex or doing those things. Who knows what kind of impact it'll have, but we can only hope something like that would come out of it. But um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know what the answer is as far as how we teach our kids, right? Because that's the big fear is that if kids are not the parents aren't stepping in to teach kids and talk to kids about what real sex looks like and explain the difference between porn and real sex. You know, who, who, how's that going to happen? Right. Well, how, how do we, how do we put a system into place where kids get the education they need so that they can at least go, okay, I understand what real sex looks like. I understand that porn is a fantasy and porn is a world of exaggerated sexual acts but I might like some of those sexual acts, right? I don't. I think we got to understand too that there are people who do enjoy sex, like we do see in porn. Like that's what they enjoy. That doesn't make them bad, right? Right. Um, society or some people are assuming that that type of sex is not preferred by young people, where it very well might be. I think they actually said that, although there was some statistics surrounding the younger uh, kids that are you know, accessing porn because they can. And apparently Twitter has like a huge porn following, which was not something you and I knew previously. Um, But that the majority of the people accessing porn are 18 to 34. So they are of the age of consent, right? They're still young in their um, sexual experiences. 
But if they're searching things that they like, they're um, engaging in activities that are of interest to them, right? We didn't have that kind of exposure when we were younger. And I mean, I guess I think that part of it, what we always had, right, was whatever our parents told us, which was nothing or very little. Our siblings, which was nothing or very little, right? Everyone's family is different, but you learned a lot from your friends. Right. right? So your friends would kind of tell you what they saw or whatever. I know that, you know, back in the day where there were some magazines that the boys would look in and whatever, but there was very little um, opportunity to learn more in the way that kids can learn more now, which doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. So they can see other things that they like and can experience things and they don't wait till they're 50 to come out of their shell and say, hey, I like these things too, like these things too, right? So they may be able to have longer, more fulfilling sex lives that are, you know, just have different aspects to them that we didn't have. But on the flip side, it's dangerous because they are not seeing the relationship piece and the emotional piece that comes with some of these sex acts and some of them are probably better reserved for a little bit later in your life when you're a little bit more mature. Right. I mean, I think that if you enjoy sex that, let's just say, quote unquote, aligns more with like the sex you see in porn, as an adult, that's your choice, right? I mean, that's your choice. If that's what turns you on and that's what you like sexually, who cares, right? That's To me, that's fine. Um, what was interesting, though, throughout this show was there was people that were interviewed and it just seemed to be that. Anyone who didn't agree with porn sex um, seemed to just be uptight about sex in general. I, I would be willing to bet that these people in real life had very boring sex lives for whatever reason. Maybe that's just what they like and that's what they're comfortable with. And if that's fine, more power to them. But it does seem that sometimes I think when it comes to porn, people have a hard time relating to it or they're not comfortable to admit that they like it. And so a way they combat that is to put it down. Um, yeah, and I, and I think you're probably referring, I mean, we both were kind of agreeing there was a, a couple with their daughter, right? Yeah. And and the dad did most of the speaking, and he was just saying how he sees porn to be, you know, very male-focused, so that the male is receiving oral sex. The male is um, penetrating aggressively, right? And then the male is um, ejaculating on the female's face, right? Obviously, very general statements, but right, this just, is his opinion of what porn is and that he thinks it's not a positive experience for the female. Totally making an assumption based on his beliefs. Right. That's And that's where I was. And thank you for saying that, because that, I think that clarifies my point a little better of he's not necessarily comfortable with that. So he just assumes that if he sees that the female doesn't like it or right. someone in the scene doesn't like it where there are real people in the real world who love that stuff. Right. So he doesn't prefer or he believes that women, that's not a, f- a fair situation for a woman. And I'm sure my guess would be his wife does not have those preferences, right? So right. His Which was ex- interesting because they interviewed him how many times and his wife didn't say one word. She barely spoke. Um, the, Which is And the daughter spoke very minimally um, and very high level. But so, but I, my guess is those are, that is how she feels about it. And he respects his wife and it seems that he has more conservative views and this was one type of porn situation that he kept kind of referring to, right? Right. Which he believed was, um, you know, more male focused and that it was in some type of way. I don't, I, he, I don't know if he used the word degrading, but unfair to the female. But he's making an assumption that the female doesn't enjoy that, which we yeah. both know females very, very often enjoy giving oral sex, right? They enjoy being manhandled. They enjoy being manhandled. They enjoy a aggressive penetration, right? Right. Doesn't and all have to be this 
real slow, lovey-dovey, like right. you're in a, you know, prescription. Romance movie. Erectile <laughs> dysfunction prescription commercial <laughs> where they're all sitting out in bathtubs in an open meadow. <laughs> so, but all that was interesting. So let's, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but the show was kind of cool. Yeah, but there's a lot of thought here. It's So, but going back a little bit to the kids piece, right, of how they had exposure, um, the one young lady that was new into the porn world, right, as a, an actress, performer, sex worker, I don't even really know what you would call their title, right? Yeah, a porn, a, a porn star. Porn I mean, star, yeah. right? So she was 19. You're right. You referenced earlier that she said she lost her virginity at 15. But she, when she was like around 13, her body went through puberty pretty hard. And she had some nice curves, right? She had a big butt and she had tiny waist and she had these nice curves and she was getting noticed, right? And boys were smacking her on the ass and girls were calling her a whore, right? And she had not had sex, but she wasn't stopping the boys from, she wasn't saying anything. She was embarrassed. She was anxious. She didn't know what to do. I mean, puberty could not possibly be a harder time on a human being. She's you know, trying to go through these changes in her own body and understand them, right? She obviously has a very sexual look that the boys are attracted to. That, and um, she eventually loses her virginity at age 15, and she loved sex. She said she really liked it. Both and, of these girls did. Yes, and the, she the wanted to have more sex. The- and she had struggled with that because she'd already been called a whore for, right, right. you know, based on how, how men, women, or boys rather looked at her and right? we're treating, treating her, her by her. The smacking on yep. her ass and she really didn't like she said she didn't know what to say she didn't know what to so do. she just she kind of let it happen yeah and she said it caused her a lot of anxiety and so the girls took that though as like she was a whore she's because a whore. she was yeah, she's allowing all the, that to happen she's right? getting all the attention and she likes it and whatever but she was saying how she liked sex right she enjoyed sex and she did not have any education from her family she did not have people that were really talking to her about sex and she didn't kind of know what to do with that. Like, I really enjoy having sex. She loves anal sex. This young lady's 19 years old, right? Right. So she's had some, exp- again, young. And there were some things that she said in the in the show that I was kind of like, wow, she's really young. And yeah, you can she's she definitely show She's got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. But there are times when we both know you can be 12, 15, 19, whatever. You know what you want to do with your life. You know what you like. You know what brings you pleasure. You know what decisions are right for you. Not everybody. Usually you don't learn those things till later in life, right? But she's pretty confident. She understands that she's doing this now, and these videos will be on the internet forever. So she's never taking them back. Um, But she's making a lot of money. She enjoys what she's doing, and she feels that she's in a community of people who understand her. And I thought that was just such an interesting perspective from someone so young in the porn industry, which I think just gets a bad rap, totally, right? She's around other people who enjoy having sex and are comfortable in themselves to um, produce a product that people enjoy looking at, right? People enjoy watching. And she's making uh, a living for herself. She's supporting herself. She's out in California on her own at age 19. Making four to $6,000 a month. A week. A week. I'm sorry. A week. Yeah, four to $6,000 a week. Yep. So it just... It actually opened my eyes a little because I do think it's a dangerous thing for young people because you and I talk about it all the time. You have no idea most often what you want to do when you're that age. But I feel like this is a community for her. And I don't think it's something she'll regret even if she gets out of the business. I think it was a step in her life, whether she stays in for a long period of time or not. This is what she wants to be doing. And it's making her happy. And it's making her feel 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like accepted. connected, accepted, accepted, exactly the right? word I was looking for. Yep. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this before, I think with even the swinging websites that we've talked about in the past, because if you have these desires, right, for different things to want to swap couples or you want to bring someone else into your relationship for a threesome or, or a gangbang or whatever your, whatever your interests are, whatever your sexual desires are, you oftentimes, because of how society is, right, we can't talk about these things in society because it makes everyone so nervous, right? But yet society will judge you for all of this. And if you have these kinks, these fetishes, you start to feel like an outcast. You start to feel like you're alone on an island. And then when you go into a community like these these swinging websites or something along those lines, you learn that there are a lot of fucking people out there sharing your same thoughts, your same desires, and you realize now that you fit in somewhere and there that acceptance starts to make you understand that there's nothing wrong with you. Yep, absolutely. And it was just interesting to hear this young lady who seemed so young and immature and for so much of the show until she really opened up and started saying those things. I'm like, okay, I get it now. I get what drew her to this lifestyle and I get why it's the right thing for her. Right. And I actually think that like she'll be okay. Like I think that she is, she's super successful though. They're, they showed her at like award shows and stuff. Yeah. Although they did say that that can change the flip of a switch. You right, you never know how long popular. your career is going to be yep. because they're always on the lookout for the next girl coming up that's going to be the next hottest, greatest thing to the porn industry, right? And that's how it goes. Now, the other girl, interesting enough, her mm-hmm. name was Gianna, and she was 21. Uh, she had a, a similar story to this girl who featured, right? And she was saying that she had sex. She started watching porn at 12, had sex early on, and she said once she had sex, she came out and said, I became a whore. Because I she realized how much that I love sex. And she's like, that's all I wanted to do. So she's like, I literally turned into a whore. Now, So when- I hate that she called herself that, though, right? Because if she was having, they were young, she was 16 when it started, but she was having consensual sex, right? So she probably ended up feeling not great about herself because she was having sex with multiple partners. Well, she said watching porn at 12 fucked her up. Yeah. Right? So- there, I think there can be, I agree there, that, you know, watching porn too early can form a bad opinion of sex. I think porn is great if you go in having context and understanding what real sex looks like and you can enjoy porn for what it's meant to be enjoyed for, which is fantasy, mm-hmm. right? If it forms your views on sex and who you are as a person, that's where it gets dangerous. But like I was saying to you, Allison, during the show when that lady was doing the TED Talk and she was basically saying what I'm saying right now, I said, but if you're going to make that argument against porn, you can make that argument against so many shows right now. Turn on the fucking Bachelorette, right? (laughs) She's on there making out with a different guy every fucking week, right? Every show, every couple nights, she's with someone different. And then she's supposed to say, oh, I I want to marry this person after all is said and done. But she, you could say that she's acting a bit horror-ish based on what she's doing, right? She's having all these different partners every single night. And she's being dishonest with one guy. They're lying. lying. Yeah, they're They're lying. And like you said, every single one of them, right? Every person on the show is beautiful, right? Everyone's a model. But what is that teaching our kids about relationships? Yeah, dating and relationships. That's not positive. No. But this shit sells left and right. because it's it's not normal. right? Right. That's not. But if that's forming the our kids' opinions and, you know, that's the context for a relationship, we're not going to have 
any marriages that last, any relationships that last, last, all this shit's going to be askew because we're not giving our kids any reality as to what relationships or sex is like. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so any reality TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can make that argument for so many things that we see on TV, not just porn. But I wanted to circle back to something that was really interesting, um, Allison, because you kind of touched on uh, the growth of porn and the kid that was talking about how porn is on Twitter. So this is this is in the first episode. This yeah, kid's twenty four. Interesting. Kid is twenty four, and he is the social media manager for his for his father's pornography company, right? So this guy owns YouPorn. So you may have heard of this. I don't know, but YouPorn is one of those um, free sites, right? You can go on and you can watch porn for free. But his father also is a pornographer who created in Britain a uh, company called Fake Taxi. And so what it is is that there's female taxi drivers and sometimes male taxi drivers and the passenger, of course, right? And your your typical porn story, right? The the guy's driving the taxi and he picks up a female uh, fare and, oh, my God, I don't have the money to pay for the fare. What can I do? He's like, well, what did you have in mind? She's like, well, how about I suck your dick, right? <laughs> like, it, like it happens. And so, but he created this fake taxi. This has taken off. So what they do, their business model, basically, is they have all this free porn on YouPorn that you can go watch, right, all these clips. But then they have ads on YouPorn and ads apparently on other free porn sites for fake taxi. So people, millions of people are clicking on these ads. They go to the fake taxi and you can join for, on average, $30 a month. And that gives you um, uninterrupted, completely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Content, uh, original content, like exclusive content. That's what I was looking for. Exclusive content that's uninterrupted. Again, average is $30 a month. And they said that they have over 100,000 members Every month. Yeah. That's like $3 Three million, million plus dollars a month that they are making by running this. But the interesting thing to this too was this 24-year-old kid who is the social media manager was taking a look that a 13-year-old boy, a horny 13-year-old boy, right, can go on Twitter, create a fake account. There's no age verification yeah. needed to create this fake Twitter account. Within four clicks, he can be watching porn because he can go to the fake taxi Twitter page. They mm-hmm. have videos right there yep. and he can be watching porn within three to four clicks. Yep. Right. And so, he, he did it. Was really, he, he was like, click number one, click, click number two, two, click three. Right. And he was he's like four clicks. I'm at the video. So I do agree that we, we, we got to take this situation and we need to figure out a way to protect kids from this stuff. Because, again, the maturity just isn't there to handle it form rational opinions and decisions and and all of those good things. So I don't know what the exact answer is, right? You can say, oh, well, you got to, you, you can put age verification in place, but then you can also make the argument, well, is age verification really fixing the problem or is it just giving parents that fallout of, well, we got age verification. I don't need to talk to my kids about sex. We need to do better. It probably should be both, right? It, it should be both. I shouldn't say probably, it should be both. So that's what the, the one woman that had a lot of arguments was saying that, you know, parents can't just say, oh, there's a control on it, so I'm okay, right? Just like parents really shouldn't do that for anything related to the internet with young uh, teenagers, right? It's just there should be more controls, more interaction with the parents. Parents should be checking their phone. Parents should be, you know, putting c- controls, teaching their kids things. But anyway, um, that's just one thing. So it should be the parents are teaching their kids 
the parents are setting up controls on their uh, social media accounts and any of their electronic access. And these sites should have some type of age verification. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting, too, because I was kind of thinking with the kids, there was one couple in this show where the guy is a husband and wife. They had three kids. He admitted to having a porn addiction and he would wait for his wife to go to bed. And then he would basically get out of bed and go search porn for like two or three hours. And he was spending a lot of time doing this like every day. He admitted he was addicted. So they now say that he has passed the recovery, the recovery process. So he is re, a recovered porn addict. Um, and I don't know that you're ever recovered from anything when you have an addiction like that, because mm-hmm. he admitted even during the show, like if he had access to it, he'd probably watch it. So I don't think you're ever fully recovered. I think you're always in a recovery process, but at different levels. Right. But one of the things that they did, one of the things they put in place was they have some kind of app on their phone, which if he was to go on his phone and do anything, like if he searched anything sexual or even the word addiction came up, it would basically give an alert to him and his wife. So his yeah. on his wife, his wife would get uh, an alert on her cell phone. Hey, you know, your husband is doing something that might be an issue. The uh, alert was, is, was very descriptive. She showed how it would show right. what was searched and where and those kind of things. And what it's he, the accountability app, I think is what they called yeah. it. And, and, and he's like, this is just what helps me to be accountable because if I feel the desire, the urge to go do this, I know that if I do something, she's it's going to go to her. And so it makes me step back and kind of regroup and regather my thinking, right? And I can't do that. Right. So he said that really helped him during his recovery. He doesn't feel that way right now, right? right? right but right. during the recovery period, if he thought he could get away with no one knowing that he accessed something, he would have done it. He would have done it. Yeah. So it actually is a nice control. I mean, like in general, for anyone that has any type of issue, if there's some type of control put in place. But that guy did go on to say that, recovering from the porn addiction was the hardest addiction it was for him to recover from. So which leads he obviously, us to believe he has other addictions. He obviously had some <laughs> other addictions, which is unfortunate, but you know, when people have addictive personalities, that's not rare. Right. Um, but it wasn't healthy. But the weird thing was too, is his wife obviously hurt their relationship and we only got to see a very small glimpse. Um, but the things that he said hurt her were kind of weird. Like, Oh, you know, I'm looking at another woman or there were just strange things. I think the woman was, his wife was very anti-porn and that yeah. was part of the issue, right? She didn't feel um, comfortable in her own skin after having three kids, and it made her insecure when he was watching porn, which really that stuff can be cleared up with conversations. Again, an addiction is a totally different thing, but for other people who are watching porn after their wife had a baby or they're not having as much sex because they're tired because of the kids or whatever, doesn't necessarily have to be a negative experience. For them, it was not healthy, but for more reasons than one. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 very interesting stuff. Um, I again, you got to go watch the show. Uh, I know we've probably we've talked probably a li- in a little bit more detail than we wanted to do to give it away, but it really doesn't give anything away. I mean, you still got to watch the show in its yeah, entirety, just little bits really, and pieces to really understand everything. But there's no doubt the porn industry is huge. It's really interesting as you watch each of the three episodes. They start off with like a little opener, and then they do their intro. And during the, I think the intro phase, they say the amount of time that you've been watching this right now, which I think in one case was like a minute, one case may have been 30 seconds, another one was like 90 seconds, whatever the case it was, but they would tell you how many people actually just were on 
one of the most popular porn sites in the world, Pornhub. Uh, at one point, I think the last episode, we'd been watching for a minute and a half when they said, this time, since you've started watching this, there's been 100,000 people who just accessed Pornhub. Yeah. 100,000 people in like in 90, 90 seconds. seconds. Yeah. So a lot of people are watching porn. It's a very personal thing as some of the interviews went on with some young kids who were getting training. I think what it is is that there's a lot of people out there who are watching porn, a lot of people that act like they hate it, but I think there is a big portion of the people who say they hate it who are watching it. But like these yeah, kids I said, <laughs> you don't just walk up to someone and say, I'm watching porn because we all feel by saying that we're going to be judged. We all feel like we're going to be viewed as some sort of pervert or deviant. But the fact remains is that there's a ton of people fucking watching porn. Of course, yeah. Right? And there's a lot of people out there denying it who are doing it. So one other stat that oh. I loved was they said something about... Um, the parliament? No, but we can come back to that. They had some cute little graphics, right, of showing like um, a computer and then showing different households and like little wires coming out of the house. But right, they basically said showing you the consumption of the consumption. porn in a, in a digital... Format. So they were saying for YouPorn, which is um, mm-hmm. this this guy's site, which yep. by the way started around the same time as Facebook, Facebook, but grew ten times as fast. Yeah, that's. I mean, think about that's that for a, a huge second, right? Stat. Think about how quickly everyone will probably remember MySpace, right? You might remember that that was the the site before Facebook, and then Facebook came out, and Facebook grew rapidly, rapidly, and rapidly. YouPorn you grew ten times faster. Ten times faster. So anyway, right now, well, when the show was made. Every second, so the number of people accessing YouPorn every second is the equivalent to one household in Britain, right? Because the show was very, was based in Britain, right? Of what the entire household accesses online in six months, one second, one second on YouPorn. Is that, that is crazy? Fucking nuts. Yep. Well, and then the other thing was they were talking about the parliament in Britain. Yeah. And how they had, <laughs> what was it? Was like a hundred and, was it a hundred and sixty thousand? Forty or a hundred and sixty, yeah. Something like a hundred and sixty thousand monthly searches for porn. Yeah, from the, the parliament. And they show the cute little parliament building <laughs> in London. So, right, this just goes to show that people from all walks of life are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and you know what, though? They're doing it. They're doing it at work, right? Because they can't do it at home. They're hiding it from their partner if their partner is not comfortable or whatever, right? Or obviously there are some folks that probably have a little bit of a problem and are not able to wait till they get home after work to access porn. But it's everywhere. Huge, huge industry. Yeah, it is everywhere. And and, and I am still a believer that a lot of the problems that come with porn for like couples. We're not talking about kids anymore. We're talking about adults, couples who are of age, mature level, right? Can make sound sexual decisions. I still believe that a lot of people who are fighting about porn, who have conflict about porn, I still feel like there are a lot of breakdowns in the communication and the understanding of each other's sexual needs. And I think that that too, aside from parents doing better with our children and teaching them about sex. Adults need to do better with each other as far as being open and honest about what you like and, and not judging each other for that. And Yeah, I agree. And, and finding um, healthier and better sexual lives together because that will in turn lead, in my opinion, 
to a better overall and happier relationship too, because I do think that it spills over to that. Yeah. You really need to communicate about that. And we did a whole show on porn previously, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that again, but it just was, it's just such an interesting topic. And I'm glad that, uh, that you found the show. We had a chance to, to watch it and we can tell everybody a little bit about how, it, how they our experience with it. Yeah. So, uh, again, sorry that we bounced around like a couple of ping pong balls today. Like there was just so much information <laughs> we just wanted to share it. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't really have a, a much of a, of a strategy today just yeah, to really share. It wasn't doing. much of an outline or anything. Yeah. We just kind of, it's just kind of a, you know, Hey, let's just jump on and talk about this. Um, it's just really interesting, but, uh, hopefully you got some cool information from this today and hopefully you're going to go check out HBO max, the now max uh, app on TV and check out this generation porn again, three series, check it out. It's well worth three hours of your time. Uh, let us know what you think though, um, about this. Let us know where you stand on porn, what your thoughts are. Uh, do you think kids are, are being kind of, uh, coerced into anything or, or led down the wrong path? And, and what about couples and adults sharing it together? would love to know your thoughts on all of this. Email us at lovesexpodcast at gmail.com, lovesexpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you want to come on and talk about it. If you've had a porn addiction, anything along those lines, you want to be a guest, you can remain anonymous, but let's share your story with everyone. It'll be interesting and people can learn a lot from it. Thank you so much, guys. We're going to see you at the next show on the next episode, but until then, be safe and be kind.